Welcome to Breaking the Couch, a weekly conversation demystifying what happens in and behind the therapy scene to support your healing journey. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Dowson, a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified school psychologist, and a trauma specialist with Playfully Psyched. And I'm Dr. Joe Harchi with Software Psychology, a licensed clinical psychologist. We're here aiming to provide you with mental health tools to address the cycle of generational trauma across the age span from infancy and childhood to adulthood. For more information, visit our Instagram page of Breaking the Couch or our website, breakingthecouch.com. While we hope you love listening to and learning from our podcast, it's not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. And we are back. Today, we're going to be discussing kind of the contentious relationships in co-parenting and hopefully provide some ways that we can really put the child's needs ahead of everyone else's. Um, This is just something that's been coming up a lot, right? Just those struggles with trying to govern the household that's not your own. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And you said like different house, different rules. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Different house, different roles. Yeah. You and I have talked about this many times over the years around clinical consultation, uh, meaning like two therapists talking about therapy, but basically, um, yeah, different house, different rules. So what can go in parent one's household doesn't go in guardian two's household and vice versa. And that's okay. And we could talk about the adjustment for the child and what happens when you're, you know, week one and three in parent one's household and week two and four in the other parent household um, and how to adjust, right? Mm -hmm. Like different bedtimes, different this, no bedtime, whatever. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like I can't be the boss of your household. And Mm -hmm. I certainly don't want you to be the boss of my household. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I think with that, not even I think with that, right? Yes, ideally, there is consistency, there's some type of rule, or there's some things that are communicated across. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is super ideal. Um, At the same time, like you said, we can't govern one another's households, right? Um, And things like bedtime, can be such a huge point of contention for families. Mm-hmm. And they're like, because I want my child to have a schedule and have a routine and all those things. And I, and I, and I get it right. Routine and consistency is very important. Um, but you're also trying to decide what that routine looks like in someone else's house. Right. So for example, growing up, I loved it. I, I still don't see a problem with it, but on non-school nights, um, so Fridays and Saturdays, I got to stay up as late as I wanted mm-hmm. from, you know, from, from the point from four years old and up Fridays and Saturday nights, I got to stay up as late as I wanted. Cause there was no school the next day, even though, you know, my parents sometimes worked weekends and things like that. Like I didn't have anything to do structured for school wise on a Saturday or Sunday morning. And so I was allowed to stay up. So I didn't have a bedtime. I had bedtimes, you know, on school nights. And other people had bedtimes, right? Like other friends and stuff. They had bed. And I was like, on a Friday? Like, and I didn't get it. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> on a Friday? What you got to do on Saturday morning, right? right. <laughs> I just didn't understand <laughs> it. But I learned that, oh, every household is different, right? And so when I would spend the night at someone's house, if I spend the night at someone's house and they had their, they had a bedtime, 
I couldn't be like, well, my house, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a bedtime on Friday night, right? I better be getting in the bed with when they're, when their child is getting to bed, right? And so it's kind of that same thing. Um, while you have your values and some of those, it's great that they are spread across households. Um, some of those routine like things can't be. And with that, continuing to either be passive aggressive or belligerent with your co-parent about trying to get them to do things your way or blaming a child's behavior. Well, this is because at your house, they get to do whatever they want. Well, how do you, first of all, how do you know? Are you at their house? Right. Isn't the point of the shared custody is that you're not at the house when the child is at the house. So how do you know they get to do whatever they want? The key piece is you governing your own house, right? And children will learn. Children will learn. I can do X, Y, Z here. I can't do X, Y, Z here. I can do this. I can do that, right? Mm -hmm. Children, as long as what's what's happening within your household is consistent, right? Your child will learn what's expected of them in in your household and vice versa. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of like uh, school, right? So like at school, I'm not going to chew gum and I'm not going to look at my phone in front of X, Y, or Z people, right? Like maybe (laughs) over here, right? So you learn the different roles in different settings. And that is something that children can adjust to. And the cool part is, is if we are, if we follow this recommendation of kind of being flexible or just not even flexible, that your house is your house. Mind your business. That's what I want to say. Right. You stay in your house, not stay in my house. Mind your business. My own business, right? (laughs) Then there is something that's super challenging, like diabetes or something like this, right? Then we have a little more room, hopefully, to come together on the stuff that is like, not just, oh, I don't want them listening to curse words or up until, you know, 11 PM. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff might be able to be tabled, right? Mm -hmm. Like your own business. But when it Mm -hmm. comes to stuff like diabetes or like stuff that you want to come together with the other guardian, then you you need to, right? Like you said, like these urgent issues that do need consistency because it is about the, um, physical or mental health care of the child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. There, like you said, maybe some more flexibility or some more openness to be able to do that. Uh, I think also with contentious relation, co-parenting relationships, it really is about why are you communicating? Mm-hmm. Because I find that the, the, the passive aggressiveness, the belligerent behavior, all those things happen around uh communication points that really didn't have to do with the child right so it didn't have anything to do with we're not coordinating pick up or drop off right there isn't a school event or a child care event that i needed to tell you about because your child will you know our child will probably want you there um it's not an urgent situation where there's we're going away to the hospital or there's a doctor's appointment right it's these in-between times why are we communicating again Hmm. Right. Um. And so I think it's coming to an agreement that we will communicate about the the, the mundane things like pick up, drop off, whatever we need to do about those things, and urgent issues, urgent safety and care issues. Um. If what comes out of your mouth <laughs> or what comes across your thumbs when you're texting isn't 
about one of those categories, mm -hmm. then probably don't send the message or don't make the statement, right? Um, because it's probably unhelpful to the co-parenting relationship. I think that is a great kind of boundary. Mm -hmm. One of the tips I would tell tell families, especially someone if they've noticed that like, oh, maybe I'm the one that's like always like blaming you, 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 you're doing this wrong or fix this or if you only did this, um, is especially this happens a lot when people are texting each other or emailing each other, co-parents, it's kind of like making sure there's a delay. Mm -hmm. Before you hit send, right? Set up, set up a delay for yourself, right? Set up a, I'm going to type this out and then I'm going to go to the bathroom. Set up, I'm going to type this out and I'm going to go get some, you know, go get some water. Um, I'm going to, you know, type this out and then there's going to be some type of delayed period. Then I'll go back. I'll read it once over. Make sure it's something that I still want to send. Does it fit one of those categories? And then hit send, right? That actually helps people, right? With that whole like uh, impulse impulse control of like, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna hit send, I'm just gonna hit. It's like, well, let's just build in the delay for you. Because maybe if you had a chance to reread it, right? You might not wanna send it. You might be able to pick out and see that um, maybe this isn't the most helpful message I could be sending or things I could be saying. Yeah, because if, you know, we're coming from a place of lots and lots of protection, protectiveness, or uh, even just like old stories from the relationship, then it could come out, like you said, like not even related to what is happening and, and the drop off or the pickup or whatever, and, and be uh, down a whole different path that you didn't want. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. I like that pause building in the pause. Exactly. I, I love that. Um, and the other thing is about remembering self-regulation. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that, right, is are you feeling uh, really intense emotions when you're talking or sending the message or whatever the communication method is? Um, if you are, then you're not in the part of the brain that is going to be able to make logical and uh, methodical uh, statements. Right. You're in the emotional part of the brain that may sometimes make the communication different than what you intended, different than what would be helpful for the child. You may be feeling triggered or activated in some way. And so if you're dysregulated or feeling those intense emotions, it's probably not the best time to communicate about mm -hmm. anything, <laughs> many things. Right? right. That's when, yeah, you're you're frontal lobe, like the part of your brain that's going to help you like make those decisions is going offline a bit. And you might notice your heart racing, your, you know, um, tension in your shoulders or your chest. Uh, you might notice kind of like a uh, lack of clarity in your mind. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and so because you're, if you're noticing those things, that's, those are good cues to be like, okay, this isn't the, this isn't the best time for me to be having this interaction or engaging in this communication. We bring that up because parental mental health or caregiver mental health, right, is directly correlated to child outcomes. Mm -hmm. So important. So, so important. Crucial. Yeah. And so often people jump that. Right. They jump over that mm -hmm. to say, again, it's the it's the bedtime over at their house, mm -hmm. not 
this regulation that you're feeling making your child anxious and then making them a little bit more dysregulated or them having different behaviors between the two households. You haven't thought about the fact that maybe, hmm, is the fact that I'm always arguing with the, my co-parent directly having an impact on the child. Even if you're like, well, we don't argue in front of them. Hmm. How do you think your mannerism and your body language changes when your child talks about being at their other house or when you have to go pick them up or drop them off? Like what is happening for you internally? Because I guarantee or pretty come close guaranteeing the children notice. Of course. Oh my gosh. Of course. Of course I could pick up on the energy, the body language, like you said, um, the tension, the quietness all of a sudden guardian grandma whoever is quiet like of course mm -hmm. the rigidity that sometimes mm -hmm. happens to your body when you're just like mm, trying to fake it and make it right mm -hmm. because you are stuck in believing that your way is the right and only way mm -hmm. and again we are not talking about uh situations where one parent is abusive to the child or the child is in danger Absolutely. in some way right mm -hmm. we are talking about situations where the co-parents don't get along. Yeah. Yeah. From whatever they had in their previous relationship or whatever's going on. But as adults, they don't get along and not so much about um, the child is in danger. In any actual way. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's apps, there's protections, there's legal advocacy. There's a bunch of different stuff around that. And we're more than happy to go into that. Um, mm -hmm. But that's not what we're talking about. We're also not talking about, for example, a guardian that doesn't have any, um, legal protections, like mm -hmm. an LGBTQ parent that didn't um, birth or have, uh, that wasn't a birthing parent, for example, mm -hmm. and has no like, you know, like, oh, if I didn't, say this didn't one do a thing, papers or something, mm -hmm. yeah, just have legal. I, yeah, yeah. So there are certain situations that we're more than happy to make, you know, part twos on this with, but just for clarity, we're not talking about that either. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, Good, because really great points. Oh, co-parenting. I have uh, more to say about co-parenting, about what's to be said and not said in front of children. Um, but it's a little off topic. One thing I'll just say, uh, you know, that's just burning in my mind. I can't close the episode without saying it is, you know, we'd never want to say that child is reminding us of such and such oh. parent in a yes. negative manner. I mean, probably in no, no way, right? Like you're just yourself, it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but like that that particular, oh, you remind me of your dad or, you know, that thing can be mm -hmm. really hurtful uh, because even if you go quiet and you don't share those things, if they are sensing the tension, if they are sensing that parent could be negative in certain ways, how, how does that hurt their heart? It does. So, um, just that's the one thing I want to close with for, for co-parenting stuff. You know, you said you want to close with it, but I mean, just the idea of talking negatively about your co-parent in any yeah. way, shape or form, there we um, go. in any environment where it could get back to your child is harmful, directly harmful to your child. Like we want to make sure that there's an emphasis, there's a exclamation mark on these things because, mm -hmm. um, so often people forget we are part of our parents. We have their DNA, our biological parents, right? Yeah. Um, we see ourselves in them. Okay. So if we as adults can do that, children are doing that too. And at a very basic 
level without nuance, right? And so it becomes a direct correlation. Well, if X, Y, Z is bad, that makes me bad. If X, Y, if you're saying X, Y, Z is, then I, then I, you know, then, then I have no good in me, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. right? And so we can't just say, well, we have the good from my side of the family. That isn't, mm, that's not how it works. Right. No. And so making negative or derogatory comments about your co-parent doesn't help your child. It actually hurts your child. So yeah. um, I love that you brought the really concrete example of even uh, oh, you do this just like such and such. You remind me of your such and such mm-hmm. um, in a negative way. And maybe, so maybe in any, any kind of way, but definitely in a negative way. It's so hurtful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all on the same page. We're just throwing out suggestions to help you be the, you know, parent that you're trying to be. If you're trying to be protective and you're trying to shield your child from all this inconsistency and whatnot, like that's where some of these suggestions are coming from, too. Mm-hmm. And maybe the question we can leave you all with um, that you can ask yourself before in that interim when you're waiting, right? How will this statement that I'm about to make or how will this paragraph I'm about to send directly help or support the development of my child? Mm. I hope that we can come back to that. That was really helpful. I will be sharing that with people. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, if you all have comments or want more about this episode, please, please, please let us know. We're on Instagram at Breaking the Couch. You can tag us in your stories. You can reply to the comments when we post. You can go back through old posts, whatever you want. We have a website, breakingthecouch.com. You can leave a message there. Send us, fill out the little survey. If you want you know, specific topic ideas, you want to talk more about this episode or previous episodes, ask questions, feel free to do so. You can leave us a voicemail on Anchor if that's one of the ways that you listen to this podcast is on Anchor. You can do that. And anytime we have book recommendations, we usually put those in the show notes and make sure the link to our bookshop is there because the bookshop helps create um, an avenue for local bookstores to stay in business. I will say that we probably have some recommended child and family books Uh in the bookshop and if we don't i'm actually i might move some into there because there are some ones that are just about like whether you're divorcing or trying to co-parent there are some recommended books that could be really good for this topic until next time if you are looking for a therapist for yourself or your child you can visit our websites playfullypsych.com or softheartpsychology.com we appreciate you joining us this week and can't wait till there's another opportunity to jump on the couch with you next week.